Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative questions of how politics could appear in our preaching this week. My name is Jackie Embry. I'm a newly retired United Reformed Church minister. I have worked with churches across Birmingham and Bolton and Salford and as moderator in the URC's Mersey Synod. I'm now living in Kendall on the edge of the Lake District. Each week I'm joined by a different guest and today I'm very pleased to introduce Reverend Dr. Alex Claire Young. Alex is a minister in the United Reformed Church, currently in a pioneering role in Cambridge City Centre. A member of the Iona community, Alex is a keen advocate of social justice with a particular interest in LGBTQ plus theologies. So welcome, Alex. Thanks very much for coming to the podcast this week. I'd like to start by asking you whether the pulpit is the right place for politics. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a question that I'm asked a lot. And in my current role, I'm really fortunate in a way that it's expected that if I'm preaching in a church in a Sunday morning, I'll bring some politics. And that's because as a pioneer minister, I'm mainly working with people who are de-churched, so people who have um, either left church or been made to leave church. Um, and often there are reasons related to politics and social justice for that. And often the people that I'm working with have social justice concerns. And so when I'm invited to preach, it, it's usually with an expectation that I'm going to speak about some of those things. Um, I think that Jesus was political and that we can't really avoid that if we're going to be honest about what the gospel, what the good news is. Um, I personally draw a faint line at that kind of party politics. Um, but having said that, if, if um, a political party or a figure speaks about a topic that um, there's a faith-based view on, then I don't think that's out of bounds either. Fair enough. So some of the headlines that reflect our context today are that we're in for a week of train strikes uh, across the UK. And across the world, there's extreme weather. There's a cyclone in Queensland, dense fog in North America and India, and droughts in the Philippines and South Africa. And a drone that is claimed by Islamic resistance in Iraq hit a US military base in Jordan, killing three US military and wounding others and being part of a spreading violence and unrest across the whole Middle East. In Kenya, people are marching against femicide, following over a dozen cases of women being murdered this year because of their gender. Several governments have suspended funding for UN Relief Works Agency, the main provider of aid in Gaza and the surrounding area, which means that much of the aid for Gazans could end due to allegations that some of the staff were involved in the 7th of October attacks. But there is also good news. Cameroon has become the first country to start a routine vaccination rollout against malaria. And according to an International Energy Agency report, wind, solar and nuclear energy will be able to cover all the world's additional electricity needs over the next three years. And church-wise, we're still in the season of Epiphany. Next month, starting on the 1st of February, is LGBT plus History Month. 
Um, it's Race Equality Week from the 5th to the 11th of February. And the 6th of February is International Day of Zero Tolerance for FGM. The lectionary readings for Sunday the 4th of February are Isaiah 40, 21 to 31, 1 Corinthians 9, 16 to 23, Mark 1, 29 to 39, and Psalm 147, 1 to 11 and 20C. So Alex, where would you like to start this week? Yeah, so I mean, firstly, just reflecting on the kind of global situation and that there's so much going on around the world at the moment. Um, the reading from Isaiah this week really speaks to God's concern for justice. And there's this sentence that I think is really important here, and it's, have you not known God is the creator of the ends of the earth? So there's a sense in which in Isaiah, God's justice is for all people and all places, not just some people in some places. And I think that that might be a good place to start. But in my context, um, LGBT plus history month is also really, really key. And this year, the theme of LGBT history month is medicine and the hashtag is under the scope. Um, and I feel like these readings really speak into that um, because we have references to healing and there's all sorts of complex stuff um, that we need to possibly talk about a bit there um, uh, and also bringing in disability theology. That's a lot to tackle. You're going to have a very busy time. <laughs> it is, but I think the readings give us kind of, for me, three starting points for that really. Um, and the first one is that each of the readings kind of talks a bit about feeling hidden from God and from other people. So in Mark, we have Jesus not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who um, Jesus was. And in 1 Corinthians, we have Paul saying, I have become all things to all people so that I might by any means save some. And he kind of talks about different ways in which he has to compromise how he lives out his identity um, in order to share the message um, that he's called to share. So I think that kind of sense of feeling hidden um, is a first starting point. And then the readings kind of answer that by talking about God knowing and understanding us and as actually not being hidden. So Isaiah, um, why do you say my way is hidden from God and my right disregarded by my God? And similarly, in the psalm, we have God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. God determines the number of stars and gives to them all their names. Um, and then I'd kind of pull those together into thinking about justice a bit, because um, there's this sense running through the readings of God give, giving strength for justice. Um, and I think that's really brought together well by Paul, who's after kind of saying this, I, I, you know, I need to be all things to all people. Paul also says, what is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation, I may make the gospel free of charge. Um, so I think that kind of points towards justice, not as solidarity, not as charity, sorry, um, but with as solidarity. So I think that can be kind of used to tie these together. Um, and I found a brilliant quote this week um, that was, train yourself towards solidarity and not charity. You are no one's saviour. You are a mutual partner in the pursuit of freedom. And I think that really um, speaks to that sense of justice that, that rings through the readings. 
Yeah, because um, I mean, Paul is is talking about the fact that he can't help but preach um, mm. because that's that's his calling. I mean, is, is that how you feel? Yeah, absolutely. And I think particularly um, when we're talking about justice issues and when those justice issues are um, closely interlinked with who we are. Um, and, you know, you read scripture from the perspective of being marginalised and things speak out to you, then it feels hard um, not to say those things. And I think often Paul reads in that way. So Paul is someone who lots of people have pointed to as possibly having a, a sexuality or a lifestyle that might have been seen as um, different from the norm in his time. And he consistently talks about kind of what it's like to live as someone who's experiencing oppression um, uh, and kind of speaks about what that does to his identity, which I, I think is really interesting because I feel like traditionally in the church, particularly when talking about justice issues, there's been a uh leaning towards ministers not talking too much about themselves um but when we read the the letters and particularly the pauline letters paul makes himself really vulnerable for his readers and i think there's something to learn from that yeah it's it's hard getting the balance right isn't it because we're preaching god's word but the preaching is is through the individual and yeah. it's the individual that's called Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, carry on. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, and because of that, you know, I'd if I was going to preach on the gospel um, this week, and you know, I mentioned a little bit about Jesus not permitting the demons to speak, I'd also want to bring in the lived experiences of people with disabilities, um, just because healing narratives can really um, affect them, um, and. So for me, um, there's a book called At the Gates, um, edited by Naomi Lawson and other people that really speaks um, powerfully to disability theology. Um, but I also think the Mark reading does speak to LGBT History Month and its theme of medicine, because again, um, healing has been a, a difficult topic for LGBT plus people. Um, and so-called conversion therapy is still kind of front and centre of our political landscape um, and, and is in the news really regularly. So it makes it, it difficult, particularly if you've got a, a mixed congregation, because Absolutely. yeah, how much does the context of the people you're speaking to affect the way you, you preach? And the message you bring yeah I think it matters a lot and so one of the reasons that I've been thinking a lot about LGBT history month is that at Downing Place Church which is the church that I often preach at they have a special service for LGBT history month every year on the first Sunday of February and in that context we will have the members of the congregation who are there every week some of whom are LGBT plus some of whom are not and who have a whole range of identities and theological understandings. Um, I wouldn't say we're all agreed on everything at all. It's a very, very diverse church. So those congregation members will be there. And we also usually get a lot of guests who are LGBT. Um, and so you're really thinking about preaching to that 
mixed um, congregation. Um, and this year, our preacher, um, Rachel Mann, has chosen to go with the lectionary readings, which I thought was quite courageous when they talk about things like healing that you really have to to wrestle with. Um, but I'm also always aware that you don't know who's going to enter your church on a Sunday morning. Um, so for me, preaching in a way that's just as aware is also about looking out for microaggressions. So I wouldn't feel able to preach about the gospel reading anywhere without speaking about some of the complexities of how healing has been understood in the past and how that's been problematic for people. Yeah, which can, of course, um, be difficult for other people who have had some sort of healing experience, whether it's physical or spiritual, um, and and need to hold on to that. Absolutely. Um, um, and for me, one of the ways of kind of navigating that complexity is to talk about the social model of disability, um, which there's quite a lot of work on in at the gates, um, but the social model of disability speaks about um, disability not as um, something that's a problem because of the condition or the experience um, that someone has, but as something that's a problem because of how society um, treats people. Um, and I think that often in the case of Jesus's healings, we see a kind of social mo model um, of disability where actually what's clearly changed is the person's so social context so you know in this reading today we have the whole city gathered around um and actually people who are sick are so often um ostracized uh particularly in the culture that jesus um was in at the time so the sense of everyone being together um is really countercultural. um there are other healing narratives where for example um people with leprosy are sent to present themselves at the temple and kind of that re-entry into public space um, becomes a part of the narrative. So I think kind of being able to say, you know, um, let's accept that for some people, experiences of healing are important for other people, they're really challenging. Um, and then kind of looking at this social contract message to say, so what do we actually do as church? Um, I think can be quite helpful. Mm, absolutely. And I think it's quite interesting the way Simon's mother-in-law in particular immediately starts serving after the after encountering Jesus. Um, she, she's, that's her response, which I think is is quite interesting. Absolutely. And another kind of link in there for me, particularly with with the theme of medicine and under the scope is also that um, Jesus touches her. Yeah. Um, and there'd be all sorts of reasons why that would be countercultural. But besides anything else, if she's in bed with a fever, then, you know, there's potentially an infection risk. Um, and yet Jesus touches her. And so many people um, have this experience of being quote unquote untouchable um which is a, a term that that originates in dalit theology um but is also something that resonates with lgbtq plus people particularly with the legacy of the hiv aids crisis 
um, and post-COVID, I think is something that resonates with us all, or should I should really say still in COVID is something yeah. that really resonates with us all, this sense of um, touch being something that's risky and touch being a part of the social contract that's really important and that brings people into the center of the community so that they can serve um, by showing, you know, you're not untouchable. Um, uh, you are, are a valued part of this community and I'm not afraid um, uh, to touch. So it, it's an important one to, to notice. Yeah. And of course, touch doesn't have to be physical. I mean, obviously in, in that instance, it was important that it was, but the way we're touched can be all sorts of ways um, and connected with, if you like. Absolutely. Um, and I think kind of, again, multi-sensory connection is something that I always try to um, engage with uh, when I'm preaching. Um, and the fact that there is this element of touch, there's something multi-sensory in this reading, um, I think is important because I think um, in church, we often get stuck in just um, listening as being um, the, the key sense um, that's used. So whenever there's something um, visual or uh, touch-based, um, or you know an activity that involves um, objects that we can use. Um, I think that's really important as well. So that we're, you know, you said um, touch isn't always about the physical, and I think it's really important in church that we recognise that everyone has different learning styles, and that to touch yeah. the lives of all, we we have to um, uh, lead in all sorts of different ways. So would you concentrate on one of the readings in particular or would you be touching on, on all of them? Because you, you seem to be picking points out of them all. Um, so I think I, I would touch on all of them because they all have something helpful to say. Um, I think that though that um, Isaiah and the 1 Corinthians readings would are the two that I really think speak um, to this theme of, of hiddenness and then being seen leading to justice. So I think that would be um, something that would be core to me. Um, and I think the, the sense of justice in Isaiah that's a justice for all people, not just for some, I think would be something that would be really important um, to bring out in our current context. Um, yeah, and I think I think Paul kind of furthers that with this, I've become all things to all people. So it's not, you know, it's not that Paul's going to a particular set of people, it's that call to kind of open the doors and actually um, reach everyone. Uh, and that freedom that Paul points to as being the result of that. So that that means that reaching everyone isn't about reaching everyone so that they become like us, whoever us is. Uh, Paul's talking about reaching everyone just as they are in a way that is liberative. Um, and I think that's really powerful. And hard work for Paul in as much as he's 
clearly trying um, to connect with folk in a way that that does connect, um, even when perhaps their culture is is alien to to him. Absolutely, and I in pioneer ministry that constantly comes up and is constantly something I find interesting and important that Paul speaks openly multiple times about having to pretend to be someone else, having to go into a completely different cultural mode for him um, in order to reach people. And so often um, in churches, when I speak um, with kind of traditional church members who have been church members for their whole lives, and I'm speaking about something like pronouns um, for LGBT people, or I'm speaking about neurodiversity and the need for um, people who are autistic to have something to do with their hands during worship, for example. Um, so often I'm told, yeah, but that's just so countercultural to us. Um, we can't possibly, you know, change that thing. That That's not how we, you know, it's that phrase, um, the way that we've always done it, that constantly um, crops up. And I think Paul gives us a really good starting point to actually say to churches, you need to challenge yourself, particularly when it's a justice-based issue. Um, you need uh, to be willing to to become all things to all people. Um, and that's, I think, an increasingly difficult message for people to hear because increasingly as church um, shrinks, you kind of get church versus society um, as an attitude and actually... Um, Paul preaches almost exactly the opposite. Um, so I think there's a lot to learn from that. Mm, absolutely. I think you could uh, you could take several sermons from that. So you're you're going to be busy. Um, and and do you find the same? I know it's slightly different, but when you when you mention autistic folk wanting something um in their hands, youngsters who can even have their phones in their hands, and still be listening to the sermon and, yeah. and understanding um, that, that different people work in, in very different ways is, is quite hard um, for, for, for all of us because we, we're all used to whatever we're used to. Absolutely. And one of the things that disability theology teaches is that um, it's really helpful to think about what disabled people can teach people who are not disabled as well as the other way around. And as an autistic person, I've learned that we have something to teach others about their multisensory needs, um, because I've found um, that younger people, if I put um, a load of multisensory aids on a table at the beginning of a meeting of under 25s, so I've done this with some of our um, youth assembly executive, they will pretty much all immediately start picking them up and fiddling with them. Um, but older adults need to be really encouraged to do so, that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have the same sensory needs. Um, so I know people who are older adults who once it's been suggested, you know it's actually okay to knit in church. Yeah. That's transformed their experience of church. So I think sometimes social norms have stopped us from meeting everyone's needs. And I think that that's also something that you can talk about in relation to these readings, because Paul kind of breaks social norms um, in order to free everybody. Um, and I think that increasingly that's something that we have the ability to do. 
but it's countercultural and anything countercultural is hard work. Absolutely. Um, and it's a, not easy to promulgate either, but, you know, for, more widely, um, mm. because you can't be everywhere all the time. I mean, just as Jesus had to decide whether to stay where he was and do more there or move on, um, it's, it's not an easy thing to, to do. Absolutely. And so I think, for me, one of the re reasons that I kind of struggle with talking about um, preaching from a general perspective rather than in a specific church is that I do think that every minister needs to look at these readings and say, well, what is our call? Who are the people that we are being called uh, as a church community to learn a different language um, in order to speak to? So where I am, um, LGBTQ plus folks and folks who are neuro neurodiverse are very much at the core of our mission um, and make up a proportion of our, our membership, there will be other places where there, there are other um, core groups to consider. And I think the gift of the poll reading is that it allows us to speak um, to a range of those groups and needs. It doesn't kind of point to a specific justice issue, but rather it points to, to um, the ability to change um who we are and how we act in order to reach out to people um who are experiencing alienation and can we because i know sometimes we say you know things like everything everyone's welcome but that's not heard by people who don't think they're part of everyone so um, there's a there's a really interesting dynamic that again is a generational dynamic that um there was a point in time and it was very much kind of at the time when I was beginning my training for ministry where all was well all are welcome was a really popular narrative um and particularly in settings that that would have labeled themselves or been labeled as liberal um this sense that all are welcome was kind of assumed and the problem with it was that underlying it was an assumption that all are welcome just because we say they are and just because everybody's human and you know we're very happy for everyone to be here um whereas a kind of justice-centered perspective would say well if you really mean that all are welcome then you need to think about what access for all of those different groups of people um looks like and that sometimes actually showing a particular welcome to a particular group of people um, can be more effective than saying that all are welcome and certainly in LGBT History Month it's worth thinking about the fact that LGBT people generally will not assume that all are welcome includes us um, and that that's because of the experiences that many LGBT people have had in churches that say all are welcome um, and, and they've then had kind of homophobic or transphobic experiences in those contexts. So um, often when I'm working with churches to speak about LGBT identities, I talk about how you make it explicit um, that you mean that LGBT people are um, welcome and, and that being really important, actually. Yeah. Alex, you've, you've touched on, on quite a lot. 
Is there anything that you want to add in, you know, before we finish that we've we've missed? Um, so just a little thing about Paul's sense of the gospel being free of charge. Um, if uh, where you're working, economic justice is a particular issue or something that you're talking a lot about, then that might be a really interesting um, thing to talk about as a kind of counter narrative to capitalist norms. And mm. it kind of points to the ways in which all injustice is tangled up in economic abuse. Um, so Paul using money um, as as his kind of symbol of the, the gospel being um, liberative uh, when he's also talking about having to, to be all things to all people to reach out to different groups might spark um, an ability to think about the ways in which money and the economy is tied up in injustice about against any number um, of, of people. And, and I mean, I know you're talking about money there, but sometimes it seems like the the price of the gospel in inverted commas might be that you fall into our way of doing things. If you see what Absolutely. I mean, which takes you back to, to what you were talking about earlier. Um, about us changing <laughs> definitely I just found a, a note that I wrote there which is what do we charge people to go to church and I think so often that's not money it's kind of the charge of having to sit still for an hour or <laughs> the charge of feeling that you have to wear your Sunday best or whatever it is um, yeah oh, well Alex thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and reflections with us today you're um, very welcome. And and thank you to the rest of you for joining us to ask whether or how we should preach politics from the pulpits this week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. We also have online spaces for further engagement and discussion about faith and politics on X or Twitter, at Public Issues, or using hashtag politics in the pulpit. We also have a Facebook group, which you can access through this point. The, the Joint Public Issues Team's Facebook page and the website JPIT, that's J-P-I-T dot U-K. Let's go to both our politics and our pulpits with a blessing from the URC's worship notes for Sunday the 4th of February, written by Andy Bronston. May the one who holds you in the palm of her hands help you to remember all that God has done for you. May the one who lived, died and rose again for you help you proclaim the glorious gospel of freedom. May the one who came upon you at baptism, filling you with the fire of God's love, continue to inspire you to serve and the blessing of God Almighty, source, guide and goal of all life be with you and all whom you love, now and always. Amen.